You're listening to a special Comics Pals addendum episode. This is a addendum to episode 144. We couldn't fit everything into one episode, so we split it all up. Uh, we've got the core episode where we're talking about San Diego Comic-Con and all the Hall H news from, from Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then we've got a separate uh, addendum where we do an interview with Philip Sevy, which you guys should definitely go check out. We have a really great conversation. This addendum is going to be about House of X. Uh, House of X number one released this week for us this week. Uh, these books are coming out so fast and furious that by the time you're listening to this, uh, Powers of Ten, it's not Powers of X, Powers of Ten is either out or imminent. So uh, we're going to be reviewing that first issue for you guys. Um, it's a doozy. And there are probably a lot of questions that uh, you guys listening are going to have and then you guys that are actually on the podcast with me are going to have. <laughs> so we're going to get into all that. Um this is such a massive undertaking on the part of Jonathan Hickman that the scale and scope of this thing is really impressive. And I'm so curious to hear what you guys who have been out of the X-Men world for quite a while feel about this being your reintroduction to the characters. So I don't think I've read a 616 X-Men book since like 2008, maybe. (laughs) Or like 2009, like I don't even remember. Um, I want to say it was Joss Whedon's run, maybe? It's been a while. I've been out of the X-Men game for a bit here. And um, I I feel like Hickman does a really good job of just like getting us back in. Because there are a lot of touchstones that if you're a lapsed fan... Like, I think the three of us that aren't you are. Um, It's all characters who I know. So it's not hard to, like, think about who they are and what their motivations probably are and whatever, even if I have some gaps. And there's a lot of new stuff. And the new stuff, I'm guessing, is probably just as much of a mystery to you or maybe a little bit less as it is to me. So I feel like it was a pretty good... It feels like a good jumping on point for anybody who's casually or intimately familiar with the X-Men but hasn't been up to date. Um, and it got me excited because it, it's it's setting up a conflict that feels, like, earned and unique. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty in on this first issue, I got to say. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, it, it's... So the last thing I read of X-Men was... They had just finished with this, like, toxin, um, and Colin Bunn was writing. So, like, that was the draw for me. It didn't land. I didn't follow it after that. But what they bring you into, they just sort of drop you in. And, and I think for me, what hooked me in was the first page. It just felt very sci-fi. And that, to me, is the element that I enjoy X-Men in. It's a very sci-fi element. And so immediately it was it was a draw i was like oh this is this is cool and then the the writing was strong consistent with the characters that i did know some of the some of them have been you know altered a little bit here and there but uh mostly it was people i recognize and and things that i things that i understood even though there was so much of what i didn't understand going on around it so how long has xavier been back sean 
Uh, not too long. He came back in Astonishing X-Men. Uh, basically, he never... He, his body was dead, but his consciousness was trapped by the Shadow King in... Interesting. Uh, wherever the hell he reigns. Shadowland? Yeah, no, that's... Whatever, no, whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, that's um, Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... Uh, no, I was going to say I think it's called the Shadow Realm, but it's definitely not. That's Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Astral Plane. Yeah, the Astral Plane, that's right. They obviously, yeah. the, Xavier and him have a lot of history. So, to keep it brief, they found his consciousness, it came out, he now lives inside the body of Phantom X. Okay, because I was deeply confused by what was Excuse up with me? that, where it was a clearly not Charles's body. Yeah. But everyone was calling him Charles, I was like, is this like... Is this Cyclops like masquerading as Charles or something? Like I was very confused by that. What happened to Phantom X? He's gone. Uh, it was a choice that he like he allowed it to happen. Remember, oh, Phantom shit. X is a is a creation, right? Yeah. So um, he was fine with that. Wild. He's yeah. like, I'll Who's... just die. What is that? Phantom X. Oh boy. Uh, he's a, <laughs> you know how you know how Wolverine is Weapon X. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's one of those. Except that Wolverine is a born human, and Phantom X was grown. So, Whoa. Yeah. He He's, has more in common with, like, X-23, maybe, than... He, he factors more into, like, X-20... Uh, I'm sorry, X-Factor. Okay. Um, before... I, 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 I just can't help but ask questions before I even say anything. Um, Sean, did you get the impression that Xavier and Phantom X was, like, kind of visually... Re- like similar to Mr. Fantastic from the end of the Ultimate Universe. Yes, yes, he's the maker almost. Like the maker, yes, like, yeah. yeah. He has the same. Like it's not the exact same. There's a very similar helmet. Yeah, and uh, it covers his whole face just like the maker, and also um, his body. He look. He, he looks like the maker. It's really weird and curious. And but what's crazy about that is the maker is in the Marvel Universe. I did like not know the that. Regular is that. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. he came over during um Oh what was it? Secret called? Wars. Secret Wars. Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Was the maker a Hickman creation? Yep. Uh-huh. Interesting. No, interesting. Ryan Michael Bendis. Wait, really? Really? Ultimate Fantastic Four number one. Oh, oh well no, int- that's Ultimate Reed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hickman's the one that turned him into a villain. Oh, okay. Ultimate Very. Fallout. Very yes. interesting. There it is. Yeah. So I left off with a kind of X-Men versus Avengers stuff, and it's not something I was dedicated to reading, but I was really interested in Scott Summers as kind of a revolutionary figure. And that's kind of really where I left off. But reading consistently, I haven't really done since 2006. I fell off a long time ago. I'm so glad you guys gave your your backstory and where you're like where you're coming from because you all have missed so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I've pretty much read every X Men book from 1975 until maybe 1994, and then New X Men. Yeah, I'm in a pretty similar boat, I would say. But I fell off. Yeah, I'm out. I've been out for like a solid 15 years. <laughs> so, do you have so, other questions? Yes, and this is. This is where I, I'm asking you to talk a lot. What in this issue is new to you? 
Oh man. Uh basically everything. Cool. Yeah. Um, That's what I thought. Yeah, it, it really is That's a, what I hoped. a huge pivot. And it's gonna be really interesting to see if and how this lines up with what was just happening because there's very little correlation. Interesting. Yeah, I just like is uh, Charles is his voice seems really weird to me. That was the thing that was the most strange to me was like I loved it. I li- I didn't not like it. It was just like when did he turn like evil? But is he evil? I don't know, but he seems kind of villainous. Like See? the whatever he's doing in the beginning of the book is super weird. He's growing mutants. Yeah, and he's got he's it's I don't know. And they're like clones, right? Like this is like a Scott clone, isn't it? In the I first, don't know that to be in the case. in the first uh, second page, he has the glistening the glistening eye with the yeah, red. and he looks like Scott, and the woman next to him has red hair, so it's like Scott and Jean clones, I think. I don't know. It's weird, dude. I don't know about. I don't know what to make of that, and like where he's at. Like I, I get a sinister vibe from him, like in in those first two pages. So the biggest thing for me is the feel and the mood of this book and that the X-Men are normally presented as heroic figures and they're presented Mm -hmm. as relatable figures. That's the draw of the X-Men. This book throws that all away. Yeah. This book doesn't give you a relationship with the X-Men. It actually casts you. I had a weird experience reading this book because I felt like, wait, I'm not connected to this. I Like... It, it almost felt isolated from it because when I see the X-Men, this for me was supposed to be this big, you know, glorious moment where we're getting them back all together again. And it's not that it's very much. Um, I mean, just look at the way that they're presented on the first in, in the first page where you see uh, the X-Men, you see Colossus, you see a hand storm. You don't see her face. Iceman, you see his hands like you don't get to see them. And the only ones you really see are, well, you, you see Jean, but there's something weird about her. Yeah. You see Magneto and the Cuckoos, um, and, and, and that's kind of it. And then the other ones are the villains. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I so I, I guess I'm confused in what, what, like, they showed you the, they don't, like, directly show you their faces, but they're there. So, like, what do you, yeah, but like, okay. what do you mean? When you see so, someone's face, that's that's a welcoming right. feature. You're being shown isolated body parts or the backs of other characters, like Beast. They're not as welcoming because they're not facing you. See, I guess for me, like I've this is a an X Men that for me, like I've always been on the on the on was it Magneto's like like the Magneto fence of like X Men and and for me to see them in this position, forceful and in, in, in charge in power in this like obviously it doesn't feel like them but i like this the way that they're portrayed in this so I, i'm not discounting what you're, you're saying sean I, i'm just saying I, I think for me i i enjoyed those aspects because it did felt so dissonant and so different that for me it was enough of of a difference that i i cared and, and was immediately attracted to it was like okay cool yeah, yeah they're yeah. you not- know it, it's not them but it is 
them, even though if they're not necessarily how I've seen them portrayed, I- I'm interested to see if it is, if it does turn out to be like, you know, they're not like some other people or whatever, brainwashed, whatever that like comic booky thing ends up becoming. But this for me and the personality is really cool and, and something that attracted me to it. It's not that it's not interesting. It's very compelling. It's very interesting. To Sean's point though, is that they're not the X-Men you recognize. They're not welcoming. They're not like a superhero team. They're, they're taking the Genosha concept to an extreme, and that's what's really interesting here. I, I, I never said I never said I didn't like it. I, I like it a lot. It's just that it's creepy and it's alien, and I love the, the presentation of the X Men in that way because again, if you got to think about it, man, they've been through hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've been through hell, and all throughout that time, they've remained similar to the Avengers. Well, Jonathan Hickman is saying, well, what makes them different from the Avengers? Because they're not the Avengers. They can yeah. never be the Avengers. Well, and they're outsiders, right? Like, they're not even, they're not given the same level of respect or, you know, admiration, even though they do the same things. Like, they're, they're outcasts, and they're not only outcasts, they're persecuted. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, um, what, there's that, that, that line that Cyclops says, right? He says, my family has spent our entire lives being hunted and hated. The world has told me I was less when I knew I was more. Did you honestly think that we were going to sit around and just forever and just take it? That's the best part of the book. Is that was fire. Scott interacting with the Fantastic Four, primarily Reed. It's very tense. Yeah, and I, I think what Sean's saying is true, that it's like, it, it feels like it's a turning point for them um, as... A species and also like as like a member of like the su- members of the superhero community these are people that they know that they fought alongside and it's like look man like what we're doing here is bigger than all that now I... um but one of the things i just want to throw this theory out there uh because sean you said something earlier where you said that gene felt weird to you and i felt that way about cyclops too and i really think that the two people we saw come out of the eggs in the beginning are the gene and scott that we're seeing in this issue walking around and talking to people and i, I think... wonder if it's xavier talking through them or giving them messages to relay because like i don't know there's there's something off about them to me i don't think that's true scott this is this feels like the scott that's developed over the last six years maybe that's true and i just don't know him anymore he's changed uh... a lot not it didn't feel like that Scott to me, actually. Really interesting. No, it it actually it actually is very much not the the most recent Scott Summers. Uh this Scott Summers is playing word games. Like he's saying, "Oh yeah, tell Franklin that whenever yeah. he's ready." Like he said, like I could imagine what he sounded like when he said that, and yeah. there's poison dripping from those words. Yeah, yeah. dude. He tells them, "Oh yeah, all right. We'll deal with this another time in another way." Scott Summers is a is like almost militant, yeah. and yep. especially more recently, he would never talk like that. So I actually think that they're under mind control. Hmm. That's See, that's point. what I'm saying. Yeah. Ugh. Um. <laughs> shut up, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> that's not crazy for an X Men book. The main guy. I know. <laughs> you gotta think, right? The X-Men characters are all pretty nice people for the most part. They're pretty welcoming people. Why are they acting like this? You know, this is... Why would all of them be okay with this in unison? So, yeah, that's uh, the other thing I thought was really interesting. 
is that the homo superior race is constantly divided and there seems to be a complete uniformity here that so much that there is a new language there is a completely new civilization that's being developed and the politics is different and that all is exemplified through magneto's dialogue it seems like everyone has finally rallied around eric's ideas yeah, and I, I think, like, more importantly than everyone, it's, like, Charles. Yeah. You know? Like, You're being right. so in line with that vision and, and and Magneto being, like, oh, it's Charles's vision. It's not mine, right? Like, this is him and what he's decided. And we're all finally on the same page that, like, you know, it's, like, this kind of, like, mutant separatist movement almost where they're, like, look, we're going to go on our, off on our own and thrive and you need to accept it because you don't have a choice. And that's the Magneto thing. It's always been yes. the Magneto thing. Mutant separ- yes. separatism. Right, but See? but I mean, like, but it also clearly has Charles' fingerprints over it, where it's like yeah. he Magneto says it's like we're reaching out to you, yeah, we're being generous and like offering you brotherhood, um, but like be let me be perfectly clear, it's not a negotiation. You can right. accept it or you can accept it. See, and I'm and that's the story that I'm interested in, which is why I don't I wouldn't want it to be like a mind control or like they're not really they're like clones or they're something like I I want that to be the story that. Yeah could get told here that that you. i think interests me I, the, the 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 most interesting aspect of this was the kind of political aspect to me yeah dude and i'm really curious the how the politics and uh, kind of evolves both in what krakoa was it called yeah yeah and between humans and mutants this is exactly why I read Jonathan Hickman books, because with Jonathan, it's always wheels within wheels. It's always layers of story that are interrelated, happening at the same time, but you can peel them back and see even more the collections or, or the connections. Um, I love the fact that you have organizations that do not get along or agree who who see the x-men as a threat that now have to group up in order to come up with a way to deal with them that's crazy and then when you look at the breakdown jonathan hickman is is a genius he broke down the amount of 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 sway i guess that each of these uh different organizations has in the greater organization orcus orcus that they've that they've put together and the makeup is 31% aim, 24% shield, 16% strike, on and on. Shield and aim working together? There's... And Hydra, too, is on the list. And on Hydra, Hydra. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's wild. There's such a degree of attention to detail with Hickman yeah. books. It's got that It's got that Morrison, like, caressing of love, but he puts so much more emphasis on, like data yeah of like here's why this logically makes sense and like you know what i mean like and i feel like the decision to have the like uh the reports and like the files and stuff was something that originally i was actually like kind of turned off by um because it felt like a like it was like breaking up the pacing of the book but the further i got into the book i was like oh like i i i get this now he did this in the black monday murders too he yeah, does he this did. in almost all his books. Yeah. 
Well, it's funny because I got to the part where there was that stand soapbox quote, and I was like, oh, is this the end of the issue? And then I was like, oh, no, there's more. And then that was when it started to make sense because it was like it felt like those breaks and those info dumps were coming in a way where it's like, okay, this is really informing me about the broader reality of what's going on in a way that's not like having to have super comic booky dialogue of people being like just exp- like giving exposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if the world was and has already been lived in and we're like coming into this world and that's the way he lays that out is so well done like i i enjoyed the info dumps because it's like context then story context story it it almost read like it was um i mean it was like annotated yeah 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 yeah. it's like yeah absolutely it's got footnotes um so this is the other thought i had and this complements my enthusiasm so when Claremont took over X-Men, it was a huge deviation from what Stan Lee did in the 60s. And most X-Men comics try to be really... They don't deviate too far from what Claremont did. But what Morrison did with new X-Men was very different. It was very exciting. But after he left in a messy divorce, it rubber band really back to that Claremont stuff. Even with some more highly acclaimed stuff like Joss Whedon's X-Men. Astonishing. This feels different. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, is very inviting. So I'm yeah. very excited. Yeah, like it... it and, and I think I said this earlier. It might have been when we were talking about it, like, loosely on the main show proper. But it feels earned. Like, this feels... Like, I, I agree with Marco where, like, I am interested in seeing this story because it feels like a natural progression of the struggle of the X-Men, right? Like, Sean, you said, like, think about how much the X-Men have been through. Like, if you look at, like, uh, Grand Design, right, where you try to, like, take the... What what are the realities of each of the runs and, and try to cobble together a history of, of their trauma as a group, as, as a people, um, I feel like this kind of makes sense. Like, it makes sense for them to be at this place where they're, like, just fucking fed up and, like realize that they don't need to assimilate they don't need to roll over like they could they are the ones that could easily roll roll everyone else over if they wanted to especially Mm -hmm. now that we know that um the mutant gene isn't receding in the way that we thought it was it's actually expanding yep yeah yeah um and 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 I, I I ultimately agree I think with with what you're saying, uh, Marco, and uh, Pete in that it's so unique that it would kind of suck for it to just go back to status quo later. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's we comics. also know what comics are, right? Yeah. Uh, so, shut up, Marco. <laughs> but 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 you know that being said, it, it it doesn't it doesn't have to be that, and it also doesn't have to be that now. Exactly. Um, There's gonna be multiple years of what Hickman's doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. But but oh my god, there's so much to talk about. But let's let's save the speculation for a little bit. Let's let's talk about the book. Okay. okay. So the art is oh, absolutely man. gorgeous. Hot right? fire, yep. dude. Um, Pepe Larraz brought the fire, and Marta Gracia is my maybe oh my, my favorite color artist. She killed it. Yeah. I was gonna call it out specifically. He's incredible. 
Um, I, the specifically, I think like Marco called out the first page was really cool with the colors, but I thought the la- the last couple pages where they're having the conversation and it's like sundown and yeah, everything, yeah. like oh my god, like that that shot of Magneto, right? Um, with his, the glare behind him, yeah, and you sun. can't see his face, and he says, yep. you know, no, some would be offended at a wolf presenting as a sheep. But I have learned hard lessons from your kind, so I know the truth. You are all wolves. Yeah. Like that, those two panels are fucking incredible. From um, both, from both, uh, from everyone's contribution. Yeah, yeah, was incredible. Like the dialogue is amazing, right? Uh, Magneto is is so so happy to be able to say something like that. Right. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, I love the end of that page. Right. Uh, the guy goes, "Do you know? Do you know what you sound like?" And he goes, "I do." And it feels good to finally say it. Hell yeah! And I saw I, that. I was like, I was like, "Fuck yeah, bro!" I was like, I, I literally was like, I remember reading that earlier, and I was like, "Fuck, Hickman! Like, you are you want a what a genius! <laughs> what a massively executed moment!" And there, there are so many great ones too. I really loved the. Uh, when they show the uh god what's the name of the 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 disc the the disc world type of construct construct so that's where i was gonna go this giant sentinel oh orbiting? my god yeah yeah oh the forge yeah thank yes. you the forge. Yeah, yeah, the forge this is so fascinating mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of nowhere a little bit from the dna uh guardians book where it's like a giant celestial head but what better symbolism of combating mutants than that which systematically hunted and murdered them which were sentinels it's like a combined effort of a species that's you know becoming obsolete as another species evolves and like a wasp invading a honeybee nest you know it feels like humans are backed into a corner and this is this is the they call symbol. it a Hail Mary. Yeah. So the greater point is to what Sean said earlier. This mutants don't feel like good guys in this book. They don't Not to a reader. Yeah, they, they don't. But I don't I don't know where we're supposed to draw the draw the lines, because yeah. like you said, and I think this is so important, is that the Sentinel head represents everything mutants fear yeah. on Earth. And so why would you make that your symbol for for a war that you're predicting but the mutants to this point haven't done anything wrong in fact apparently they're offering them some kind of wonder drugs yeah that have different potential effects well i honestly i think that's why it's such a a good symbol for hickman's purposes right but i also think from the perspective of the human beings that are like to your point sean so paranoid about like the quote-unquote mutant problem uh Mm -hmm. because the mutants have never been a threat. This, you know, they've never ever been the bad guys. They were always, I mean maybe you could argue Magneto was, right? But like Xavier's X-Men were good. They were altruistic. They wanted a, they wanted to live peacefully among human beings and essentially be human beings, to be treated as human beings, not the thing that's going to replace them. And even then, even when they were heroes on par with the Avengers and saved the world themselves a number of times and this, that, and the other thing, they were hunted like animals by this this symbol of oppression for them. And now, 
the humans who feel like they're going to be exterminated by the mutants and feeling that their fear of them was justified used the symbol of the thing they used to to radicalize them as a thing now is their Hail Mary as their last defense. And it's like, man, you're the architect of your own destruction here. Even now, when all of you are working against them and planning for all these these outcomes, like you said, they're they're making an offer of peace. So they're offering to be the bigger, you know, people and say, hey, if you just recognize our sovereignty, stop trying to hunt us and leave us the fuck alone, we'll give you these miracle drugs and we'll call it even. My my interpretation of all this is this feels like an allegory of the Cold War where there's kind of this armistice between like the Soviet Union and the United States where it's a tug of war for global hegemony of like which ideology will prevail here. In this case, it's mutants or humans. And the sentinel head is symbolic of the bomb, the nuclear mm. bomb. So it's kind of, it harkens to that Oppenheimer quote from the Bhagavad Gita, which is like, uh, I've become the harbinger of death or whatever. Um, and this wonder drug thing feels like a red herring. Maybe it isn't what it appears to be. Mm. And there feels like a greater conflict evolving in this and what i perceive to be this kind of cold war yeah uh i i can't stop thinking about one particular page and it's haunting me because i don't know what it means and i feel like it's something that we should be paying attention to and it's a really simple page it's where gene first goes to krakoa and you see Wolverine smiling with like children. a dope, playing with children. And uh, Professor X says to Gene, uh, something to the effect of, you're safe here. We he says, are. welcome home, Gene. You're safe here. We all are. And, yeah, and she has like a very weird, like, I don't know what you just said, but I'm happy you said it, smile. Like, zombie. The other thing I thought here with the way it's drawn, it's drawn as like a Garden of Eden and there's yes. like a classical fiction motif of paradise isn't actually paradise. It's a, you know, yes, yes. A, you know, uh, every utopia is actually right. a dystopia. And looking at Wolverine where it's like happiness is bliss, but that's not how we know Wolverine. He's a grump. He's a loner. Even when he hangs out with kids, he still like puts on that facade. Yeah, and seeing him in that way is definitely like out of character. Which is why I think this wonder drug that the mutants are offering the humans is not what it appears. It's too good to be true. I also think it's really weird to see the X-Men doing menial tasks. Yeah. Like dropping off flowers and whatever else. <laughs> There's just something under this that feels wrong and i feel yeah. like that will have to be addressed the the one thing i'm interested too is there is that page on the flowers of krakoa and there's the three human drugs that are synthesized from the flowers and then there's the gateways the habitat and the no place on the mutant side and those are all 
they're not drugs. They're like gateways or they create homes or it's they, they call the no place stuff like the t- tumors of Krakoa. And like there's all I, I don't know, like and then there's all the mutant symbology there as well for their new language. Yeah. And and it's very interesting to me because I, I feel like you get to the last two pages of the book, too. And there's a lot of. Um, yeah. So the sigils. Yeah. The, the, the sigils, sigils there. And these this mutant symbology. And I'm very interested in like what that all means and like how like what like what are we supposed to be taking away from that? Because I it's clearly supposed to mean something. Some people have already figured that out. They're, the language is readable. Amazing. You got to go on Twitter and get it. Yeah. You know, get involved with all that stuff. But is there yeah, like a is a there's like a code key or something? Like a codex. Yeah. There. Yeah. There's a way to there's a way to figure it out. Dope. Okay. I'll have to check that out then because I'm I'm very interested in that. So the so the one example that I can recall is that when they're walking into uh oh crap okay yeah it's on the page where one of the cuckoos is leading Magneto and and the uh, ambassadors around is that what they call it gibberish yeah yeah that says House of X oh interesting I am really curious where this goes at the end of the day uh I know we're not talking about speculation but just leaving the seeds you know watered here i i wonder why xavier looks like the maker i want to see where magneto's gonna go and most fascinatingly to me is cyclops yeah and like what is up with these clothes jonathan hickman has a history of telling like very 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 similar stories like he's obsessed with like hyper evolution and superior beings like every story oh, i've man. read of his has has those same things in them infinity Dude, that's so, my jam infinity did the engineers yeah yeah oh. and the and the makers and builders and all yeah. that jazz yeah, yeah. not um, to mention that all the select like the celestial beings and everything that are like making up most of the main cast in that you know yeah so i think the best place to look to look for answers into is in his past work but of course, also to wait until the next one. Um, so overall, I think it's pretty clear we all enjoyed this very much, and we'll we'll continue to bring you the reviews as long as we're having fun with the book. Um, let us know your thoughts if you've picked up anything that we didn't, because I think we're all in it together. Yeah. And the cool thing about it is that this is releasing every week. So every week we will get either a House of X or a Powers of Ten book. And so next week is Powers of Ten, then House of X, and etc., etc., until this is all over with. And then we will get a new slate of books, which we actually talked about on the main episode of this podcast, which you can check out right now. Uh, we had all that information for you guys for what's coming after uh, this mini event wraps up, which will get all those books starting to roll out in October. So um, big stuff for the X-Men. We're very excited about it. And I can't wait to see where Jonathan Hickman and the team take our favorite characters with each subsequent issue. So that's going to do it for us here on this special addendum episode of the Comics Pals. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And with that, we'll, we are the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, guys. Bye. See you next time. Where's Nightcrawler? Where is Nightcrawler?